everybody, welcome back to another edition of PD and P-Dubs Unscripted here, and uh, good to be with you, P-Dubs. Hey, good to be with you, PD, and everybody else. Uh, happy day to you. Hope you're enjoying the new spring-like weather we're having, and it actually is spring. Right, as you brought up this weekend in worship, it was the last day of winter, and look at that, the couple days after there, I mean, yesterday was beautiful, which was Monday, uh, March 20th. Mm-hmm. Today looks like another beautiful day. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, we'll have a couple, you know, uh, spring-like days, and as spring is, uh, there'll be uh, high winds and you know some rain coming here and there. But yeah, I mean, it did feel good yesterday getting out there and uh, using the grill for the first time. I think oh, this calendar you? year. Oh, yeah, good for you. I was like, you know, I haven't grilled, and I don't have gathering place. I got kind of a freer night, so I'm like, I'm going to go and grill. Nice. Way to go. Um, mine took a bit of a hit over the winter um, on one of the high wind days, so I've got to do do some repairs. Mm. So thankfully, I had the old indoor Hamilton Beach uh, non-smoking thing okay. grill. So we grilled uh, hamburgers on Sunday, too, nice. indoors. <laughs> but yeah, it felt good to get out there and grill again. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's a fun time to, fun thing to do when the weather gets warmer. So, uh, yeah, what are we talking about today? We're going to do a deeper dive on what I preached upon this past weekend, and that was Jesus healing the blind man in John chapter 9. Yeah. And we're not going to read it all like we've done in previous oh, no, deeper I, dives. You I, did that this weekend three times. Three times, and I messed up almost every time, you know, through 40-some chap- verses. 41, 41, I believe. 41 verses, and... Uh, but, uh, you know, you do what you can. Right. <laughs> God bless you. I mean, I, I almost got up there like, why do I need to preach? You you gave a sermon pretty much reading that. There, there you go. About, it was about as long as a sermon, it felt right. like. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's a great text. And, uh, man, is it loaded with all sorts of layers of things to pull out of. Right. And I know this is one of your favorite texts. I do like it because it's just the simplicity of... What the blind man did. He's like, here's my story. Mm-hmm. I was blind and now I can see. And there, like you said, there's so much in there. Like it starts even kind of beginning. Kind of picked up, I thought, about what you preached upon the previous weekend with Jesus with the woman at the well, that divine appointment. Mm-hmm. Even here, like as he passed by. Yeah. Like, you know, he was walking through. He saw the blind man. Right, right. So it starts off right there at the beginning there in verse 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, you know, uh, almost feels like a, you know, a day in the life of Jesus, you know, as he's walking by, oh, there's this man and then engages a question from his disciples about the man, you know, whether he uh, sinned for his uh, blindness, you know, or his parents and, and Jesus tells him, you know, no, uh, this is so that the works of God can be revealed. Right. So even that's like, you know, so three verses in here, four verses in, we got a lot you can talk about with like the, even that question that the disciples asked of who sinned, this man or his parents. And as much as we know that all the negative stuff that we see in this world is caused by sin in general, Mm -hmm. we're guilty of times of saying, is it because of this sin in particular? Right. So we can relate, I think, to the question of the disciples of like, Whose sin is it that this man was born blind? And maybe it goes back to, like, you know, each sin has a consequence, right? Like, so, I mean, is that where people are kind of trying to connect, you know, know, the consequence to a particular sin? It's almost like working backwards as they see this man born blind. Like, well, what caused this? What sin? And uh, because it seems to be like human nature to to connect that way, kind of that ripple effect, almost like it just kind of sees that consequences. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing a speaker once talk about that, like 
know, when we're going to commit a sin, we don't think about, like, what's downstream. Right. And I think he used the example of, like, somebody having an affair. Yeah. And saying, like, you know, that person, when they have that, doesn't think, oh, you know, maybe, you know, somebody finds out, I end up getting divorced, now I'm spending my holidays alone because my family doesn't want anything to do with me. Mm. And how, like, you know, you don't think about that, so you don't think what's downstream yep. when you commit a sin. Right. As as you said, the ripple effect, like it, it really impacts more than just you and the person that you sinned against. Um, it does seem to spread out and, and has the possibility to affect other people. Right. So, so I mean, that's why I can understand them asking this, even mm-hmm. though we know that it really just goes back to the Garden of Eden, yeah. the sin of Adam and Eve. Right. It's a broken, fallen world. And, um, you know, our bodies are no longer perfect. And so, you know, there's there's that, um, and, um, you know, it's it's just a condition that this man was born with. Right. Just as there are a lot of people who are born with certain health issues, it right. has nothing to do with, you know, their sinfulness. Right, and so... On a particular sin, you know. Right, and so, yeah, so the poor guy was born blind, and like I kind of said in my sermon, like... No, I wasn't really thinking about that, but yeah, like, I don't know, is it complete darkness, mm. or is it just extremely blurry sight? Right, right. It doesn't really say, but either way, you can't really function very well. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, in, in you know, nowadays, at least, there's, there's certain uh, mm. tools and technologies for people who are blind that they can operate, you know, fairly well in, in this world, but... You know, how, how did he get along? How did he, you know, how did he learn things? You know, right. was, I would think he'd be seen as like an outcast, like, oh, we got to help him out, do this for him and do all this. And, yeah. And we mean, when you, I feel like when you look through like the Bible and think of that day and age, it doesn't seem like they were the most loving to people that had ailments or that were different from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They kind of, uh, sometimes you see where they just kind of avoid. Right there. You know, I think of like the Good Samaritan, you know, the, uh, all the, the two examples of those who walked by or went to the other side, but yet the Samaritan came. Interestingly, you, you mentioned that about how people react. I mean, in verse, uh, what is that, uh, where the neighbors are brought in. I verse 8. Verse 8. Um, you know, John brings in how the neighbors know him. And they're like, oh, well, they all know him because they're like, oh, we've seen him before. He's a beggar. He's a beggar. Yeah. So, yeah, isn't that something? Here's someone who's blind. You know, he can't function like everyone else. And now is not seen as a blind man, but seen as a beggar because he has to beg, right? Right. Probably. But, yeah, they seem to know him and uh, what he looks like. And even some like, well... That's not the guy, but he sure looks like him. Kind right. of it's thing. a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, but, and so, but what are like, kind of, and I know I kind of talked about, it, I know a couple of people brought up in the, to you, and they brought a little to me after the sermon, like, the, I was kind of talking about, like, you know, the sound of the spit, like Jesus making that. And I was just kind of hiding the idea that, like, that's what he relied upon is his hearing. Mm, mm-hmm. And that was probably a sound, you know, it's not the most appealing sound. Right, right. But for him, that was a, a healing sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The saliva of Jesus mixed with the mud. Um, you know, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine. They're like, "Look at that!" You know, the dust of the ground in which Adam was formed uh, and created. Uh, this man, he receives like almost a, a new creation in Jesus through, you know, the same mud that created Adam. You know right. what I mean? So. 
and then uh, you get a little baptismal reference. Right. You know, go the wash one. in the pool of Siloam. You know, right. So, in like in both of those, like when you look at like baptism, it's God's word and His command and mm-hmm. the water that make it special. And this was a command because I double checked that when it says go wash, it's in the imperative form. So he's commanding him to go there. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I, I guess when I think of somebody giving a command, you think it's going to be like mean or aggressive sounding. Right. But this, I'm sure it wasn't sounding like, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Yeah. It was probably, hey, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Yeah. It's, it is a directive and, and, you know, it's from an authority figure. I guess it just connects to the authority uh, and power of Jesus, who he is and his word, right? And uh, I just find it so uh, ironic that the the name of the pool Siloam means sent, which then the man, while he is not sent out, but now he is he is sent out among others, and people are noticing him and what happened, and and so like you and I uh, as believers and everyone else, we're baptized, we're commanded, we're sent, right? Jesus, right. go and make right back to commands. And uh, so here he's witnessing. Right, and he's just telling them, this is what I had. Like, love there is, you know, when they're, the neighbors are kind of questioning and saying, oh, it's him, or no, it's not him, but he looks like him. And he's like, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how are your eyes open? His answer is, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go wash, go to Salome and wash. Yeah. So I went. And I washed and received my sight. Boom, boom, boom. Easy as that, right? Just simple. He doesn't go like in the great detail, just like, here's the facts. Yeah. And now I can see. Yeah, it's it's almost like that's the prescription, right? Like Jesus is the physician. Right. All right, I'm gonna write you a script. Um, well, first of all, I'm gonna put this mud on your eyes. And uh, now go to the pool, wash. Okay. All right, I'm going to go do this. And now I'm healed. You know, it's like we go to the doctor. He does mm-hmm. some things. And here's a script. Go to the pharmacy Farm. and get the medication. And then after a time, we're better, you know. And he even shows his faith even in that moment. Like, because he could have said, like, really? You're putting mud on my eyes. Yeah, what is this craziness? And now you're telling me to go wash in a certain pool? Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm just going to rub this mud off my eyes and just keep on going because... I don't believe what this guy's saying. Yeah, simple faith, as you've been saying. Simple faith. I mean, he just is obedient, and he obviously trusted Jesus. He was he, His heart was in a place where he's like, hey, I, I'm ready to be healed, and if someone's paying attention to me and coming to me and touching me and, and trying to help mm-hmm. me, why wouldn't I act upon what they say? Where, as you said... He was kind of an outcast, and like people knew him, but they considered him a beggar. Like, who would approach a beggar? And you wonder too, like, and maybe this is my bad not being up with my Old Testament laws, but like, would touching his eyes be seen as like something that would make you dirty? Because I mean, there is such all that unclean cleanness. Uncleanness. Well, you get right down to it, PD. When did he do this miracle? Oh, Sunday. uh, Yeah, on on the the Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah, so that's what got the Pharisees' hackles all up on the, you know, and why they jumped in and interjected. But I just think this is really cool how it starts with a question from Jesus' disciples, just trying to learn something from from Jesus, but they have their preconceived notions. Then the neighbors get involved, and then Jesus, right, he he approaches them, he personally gets involved, and now all of a sudden the Pharisees are like, 
hey, we got to interrogate this guy. Right. What's going on? Oh, we don't like his answers. <laughs> so now we got to go to his mom and dad. Yeah. All right. Somebody, where's this guy live? Okay. Well, let's Google his address. Uh, let's go uh, 325 Jerusalem Street in uh, whatever town this was. But it's just, I just love how they don't take his words for it. And so, like, oh, well, we got to go to his parents because his parents, you know, they're the source. Yeah. And, um, well, he's of age, so, right. like, it's not like he's a child. Right. And I love that's the parents. That's like, well, he, he's a he's a grown man. Talk to him. Go talk to him. Like, what if, like, somebody asked you, like, to ask questions about your kids about, like, something they did? Yeah. And be I, like, what, what, what do you think? Well, what? I'd be like, I'd be doing the same thing the parents are like, why are you asking me? You know, like, he'll be glad to share. And he was. Right. The man was glad to share. And, he, and like, what's interesting, it's funny, because, like, it talks about his parents being afraid mm-hmm. of what they could do to him about being thrown out. Yep. Yet him, he didn't care about what they could do to him. No, because he had already been outcast, you know? Right. So that that's the beauty of it, like... Um, yeah, that's a great point. The parents are like, kind of like, "Eh, I don't know. We don't want to, we don't want to get involved. We, we want to still be part of the, the temple life and things like that. But, uh, he, he had nothing to lose. Right. And even for like his parents, like, you know, I think about like this day and age where people don't want to maybe commit or be outspoken about their faith because they're afraid of what other people might, how they might view them or treat them. Cause, oh, Oh, you're just one of those uber Christians. You're one of those like Christians. We don't want to really talk to you because that's all you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I sense that's why you like this is that um, it really is just matter of fact. It's stating the facts. It's the simplicity of the witness, wherein so many of us in our in our time, you know, we try and read books, we try and like listen to uh, people speak about how is the best. What is the best approach to share our faith with someone? You know, what steps do I have to take? And what questions do I have to anticipate so that I can prepare myself when I do share? And and here, the guy, he didn't rehearse anything. He's yeah. just like, hey, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. Um, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know. But what I made, think he's he must be a prophet. Right. I don't know what made that mud special besides him spitting in it. I don't understand. He's like, because I mean, you probably didn't think, oh, anybody could just spit, make mud, and heal people. I mean, because if that was the case, I'd be saying, hey, somebody go spit some mud, go rub it on my eyes, and then I could see twenty twenty without <laughs> my glasses or contact. Man. Maybe we, maybe we ought to go out after this uh, recording and, and like find some mud. I don't know whose spit we'll use. I mean, like we're, we don't have Jesus spit, but you know, some, yeah. we we got to help you, man. And do we have the pool of Siloam nearby? <laughs> well, we got the baptismal font. We okay, don't, you, that, know, so. you know, same. It's still got God's command and That's His word right. with that, right? Even though it's you know uh, Palatine tap water. <laughs> oh, we can't have special water. No, no. Oh, I was hoping maybe water from the Fox River, you know, my oh. hometown. Oh, there you go. We could do that. We could I mean, make a field trip. Well, that, that, who knows what infection I'm going to get from that dirty water. But oh, and but his story doesn't change. No. It's just, hey, I don't know. Yeah, I was blind. I see now. Here's what took place. Yeah. And then I think, you know, your favorite part, and, and I do appreciate it too, is like, you know, after being interrogated the second time, isn't it the second time where he's like, well, do you want to be one of his disciples? <laughs> right. It's like, 
that had to get him fired oh, up. Oh man. And and there's a part of me that wonders if he knew that. Right. You know, just, or if he was, was just like was being, he doing that to torque him off? Or yeah, just like, like what was his tone of saying it? Like, you know, like, do you want to be one of his? Yeah, I mean, I mean, all right, you, you questioned me the first time, fine. Then you go bug my parents, and then you haul me back in, and you don't have any different questions. It's the same thing, you know. So it makes you wonder, like, do you really want to? Do you want to be his disciple? Do you want to be a follower of his? And like, I just feel like it's a it's sarcasm there. Kind of, it feels a little snarky. And like, and it'd be one thing if like his story changed. I mean, you think of like a court case or like any like movie you see about court mm-hmm. when people don't have when they have conflicting stories or they're changing their story all the time, then you're like, okay, this person's lying. They're not telling the truth. Right. But he never changed his story. No, he never did. And then their reaction of just like, um, they reviled him. Right. And like who you would teach us, you know, like so offended that he would teach them. And, uh, yeah. So, that that is um, that really reveals a lot about you know where the Pharisees were in their heart with regard to their thoughts toward Jesus, um, but th- that whole you know as we get into like verse thirty, the man sa- man answered, "Why is this? Why, why?" He says, "Why this is an amazing thing." <laughs> I think that that's where you know this is an amazing thing. You do right. not know where he came from, and yet and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. So this is a first. I mean, yeah. that's that's another thing of like, maybe that answers the question of why everybody's getting involved. Like, this is so crazy. Nobody's seen this before. Right. And uh, so there, there's got to be something behind it, right, is what we're kind of hearing from various parts of the community. And then even his response after the our, our little snarky comment about, do you want to become his disciples, is like, listen, this man has got to be from God, because yeah. otherwise this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I love how they're like, you're his disciple, but we are Moses. I love that they always go back to oh, that. Got to bring up Father Abraham or Moses, you know, like always going back. And yeah, uh, that's not who, you know, they're not the ones we worship. And like, it's Jesus. Yeah. They and don't God. see Jesus as the new Moses. Or like, even like, wouldn't you think they'd want to say, we're the disciples of the God of Israel? Yeah. Not Moses. Right. Right. Exactly. And which kind of speaks to like what Paul says later on in one of his letters when he's like, no, I follow P- Apollos, or I follow this person and that person. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not about who was who you follow. Yeah, it's about following God. Mm-hmm. And they're still focused on their man-made kind of things. Yeah, and and then they just they make this declaration to him before that they say, "Oh, that you would teach us. You were born in utter sin. Wow, what a condemnation, right?" Right, and. Uh, and uh, they sent him out. Look at that. Sent. Look how John uses that word sent again. Uh, Pool of Siloam means sent. You know, and they sent him out. Sent him out of the temple. He's cast out again. So this poor guy, he can't find community. No. I mean, he, he's probably at this stage thinking, I don't know, maybe he doesn't care. But he's like, what do I got to do to like not be an outcast? Be part of the group. 
Yeah. And uh, so that goes to another theme of like, here, this man was suffering from his birth through his blindness. Now, and people think of him as a beggar. And now he gets healed. And you'd think his life would be like, wow, this is great. But yet he endures so much more suffering uh, at the hands of the leaders of the, the church. And so what does that say about us? You know, like when, when we come to know Jesus and Jesus, you know, uh, heals us, uh, but yet, you know, there is more suffering in the life of a Christian. Right, and that's what I was saying as you were talking about, that like we think, oh, once I become a Christian or once, you know, I'm a follower, believe, life's going to be a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Yet Jesus talks a lot about how we're going to suffer as Christians and take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that when we are a Christian, that we are faced with struggles and difficulties, that it's not just going to be a cakewalk throughout our lives. Well, I think of people who have struggled through the battle of cancer and then finally get to a point of remission or no evidence of disease. And they're, you know, and and it's like, wow, you know, I've been healed, right? I've, I've kicked cancer. And then, you know, sometimes you hear stories of a year later, cancer comes back even more aggressively. Right. And so there's that suffering after the suffering, but yet God and Jesus are present in both ends of the suffering, present in the healing, right. um, and certainly uh, he, God provides us the eternal healing, which you know we all know. And this man received um, at the end, you know, where you know Jesus declares to him who he is, right to his face, and uh, and then come the words of faith, Lord, I believe, I believe, and like right. that's where true healing came in for right. this man. And you see almost the same like kind of conversation from the previous week with the woman at the well when he's like, Do you, Jesus asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Mm. Which is pretty much what he says to the woman at the well when yeah. she's like, who can give me this bread of life? And he's like, right here. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah. He uh, he finds eternal life in Christ, uh, who is standing before him, speaking to him. Um, what a, that's got to be an amazing thing, like to have that realization that the Messiah himself came to you personally, helped you physically, and now uh, you know draws near to you to bless you eternally. You know, right? And even like in a sense, I feel this as a comfort as well as. He's cast out, you know, you're talking about can't find communion, getting cast out from the synagogues and the temple, yet here he is cast out into the arms of Jesus who welcomes him. Yeah. And look what he does after he says, Lord, I believe, he worships him. I mean, wow, what a moment. Right. I just, uh, there is where that man found community and fellowship in Christ. And you just wondered, then did he become one of his followers that just kind of followed him around from Mm -hmm. city to city? Yeah. Because I don't think we ever hear of this man anymore. We never get his name. Nope. But you would think he would have just been like, can I come with Mm -hmm. and follow? But think of the story that he could tell back to like the reason Jesus gives. This man was born blind so that the works of God may be revealed. And like just his witness, his continued witness, it was it was a big enough thing for him to be healed 
physically and see again, but now you add on, I've met the Messiah and I believe in him. And, you know, he came to me personally and and changed me. I mean, the the level of, like, it amps up his story and, like, what he has to share. And you would think it actually maybe, you know, kind of maybe take back what I was saying earlier, following Jesus, did he maybe just stay in town because those were the people that knew him. Yeah. So they would have known that he was blind. Right. Like, if he went to some other town and he would have been like, hey, I was blind, but now I see, they've been like, how do we know you were yeah, blind? Yeah, more questioning. More questioning. Yeah. At least in his hometown, people could like, like, I mean, even though they were kind of debating, is it him? Is it? Yeah. It looks like him, but no. But at least there's some like foundation laid there of like, okay, we know this guy's blind, but now he sees. So what's going on? You know, and, and it, you tie it back to the woman at the well. She was an outcast. She went back into town. Who would want to listen to her? But she's like sharing the good news of what Jesus did to her that it compelled people, at least at the very minimum, to come and check him out. Right. Like both of them. Yeah. And so maybe maybe that's the part of the story that's not been told here. But as you kind of drew parallels from the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter, it, it really is kind of matching up. We're just not seeing the last part of it, you know, right. his interactions after this with his neighbors or things of that nature. Right, but you have to imagine he would have been a strong proponent for Jesus. Mm-hmm. For whoever listening, I, like I said, it would be an engaging story. Like, wait, you were blind, but now you see? Because, you, you know, when you hear somebody having a miraculous healing, you're like, well, tell me more about that. I want to hear more mm-hmm. about what happened. Well, and I think that's probably uh, the application for us. You know, how has Jesus changed our life? And, and, what can we share in the most simplistic way so that it just cuts right to it and people can see the 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 truth of of what we've experienced and no one can no one should like come to you and say well that didn't happen you know well it did i'm telling you right. this is this is my life and like you know hopefully people would believe that and uh, maybe that's the lesson for us just simply share Simply share how you Jesus don't have to has use changed big, you. Fancy words, right? Just yeah. Tell your story. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of that old hymn. I love to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just tell our story about what Jesus, how we've seen Jesus through God personally acting in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What an amazing story for this man. I mean, it took a long time of suffering. Long suffering brought about physical healing, and then even more suffering but then eternal healing. Um, so that's available to everyone. Right, and when you think about it, like, you know, you talk about the long time of suffering, but think about it now. That guy's probably been in heaven now for 2,000 years. Mm, mm, and how, yeah. how does that really, like, okay, let's say he lived 80, 90 years. So how does that 80, 90 years feel now to the, compared to the 2,000 in heaven? Oh, right, exactly. Feels like nothing. Yeah, and the fact that... His story has been recorded down through the ages, you know. And the funny thing is, we don't even know the guy's name. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? We know his story. We know what Jesus did for this person, right? you know. And, yeah. Well, hey, that's why this is really a cool cool text and a great story. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. Yeah, and hopefully you enjoyed hearing the deeper dive as we dived a little deeper into John 9. And 
you know, just go out there and tell your story. You never know the impact that it's going to have on who hears your story. Mm-hmm.